Ethel's Travel Tales, Accounts from an Addicted Travel Photographer. Animals, alligators, crocodiles, and their environs. In the account of my giant reptile spotting, this podcast should begin understandably with the difference between alligators and crocodiles. I've been fortunate enough to see them both in situ, and inevitably, when faced with either of them, a scary prospect regardless of which one it is, the variations can become clear. Here are some easy ways to tell them apart. An alligator has a wide and U-shaped snout, appearing broader and marginally friendlier. It tends to hide its teeth. The crocodile nose is pointed and V-shaped, narrow and nastier, especially as it's quite happy to show off its fangs. It can also grow a lot larger than its distant relative. Alligators in the wild live only in the United States and in a few regions in China. They prefer wallowing in fresh water. Crocodiles can live almost anywhere, but prefer salty or saline environments. There are other more subtle differences, but on the surface, when they appear there, these variations are the most obvious. Don't be caught with either of them, however, as they can both be extremely dangerous. April 1989, the Amazon, Brazil. Do forgive me if this repeats from the previous podcast, see A Short Cruise Up the Amazon, but it fits nicely into this context. On our Amazon voyage, then came something truly unique, crocodile flashing. There are lots of little and big crocs, or rather the smaller variety known as caimans on the riverbanks at night. You can spot them by seeing the cat light reflection from the flashlights in their eyes. We stared out into the black jungle and suddenly, with the aid of my erstwhile Indian guide Zhao's torch, we were surrounded by these points of light in the distance. All caimans. I felt understandably nervous. Subsequently, Zhao on two separate occasions managed to grab a tiny one to explain a bit more about them. He pointed out some of their features under the glow of his artificial light before gently placing them back into the water. The most amazing thing was the night. It was clear with an almost full moon lighting everywhere. We paddled in the canoe with no life vests or preservatives while I was sitting unprotected in the middle with a camera and flash gun. The thing about this area of the Amazon, the Salamoish, is that although there's lots of dense greenery in the wet season, which is now, it's mostly underwater. It meant that we could sail anywhere, as below the water level anyway. We went here and there, through bushes, over trees, in search of the intrepid croc. We also saw various other animals and birds, including an owl, neatly perched on the very top of the tree. It was a magnificent evening. January 1990, Silver Springs, Florida, USA. 
Silver Springs was a surprising delight. I'd never seen anything like it. Essentially, it revolves around a series of artesian wells bubbling up from the bottom. As it turns out, Central Florida has several of these natural phenomena. Typically, the water is so clear, it's like it isn't even there. It's weird seeing fish swimming in what looks like midair. In Silver Springs, there was a lovely little boat trip up the river, passing an outdoor zoo of animals. The highlight was the glass-bottomed boat. I, I miss them, apparently, but alligators are supposed to abound. On occasion, they can even swim right up to the vessel. I'm not really a fan of these tourist places. They're usually for people who don't know or want to snorkel. Not recommended when alligators lurk, of course. But this park was here for a different reason. The boat went right over the source of the underground spring, sometimes 60 feet below, in order to explain how these liquid sinkholes flourish. The water was as clear as ever. It was extraordinary. In fact, the water is so transparent, it's continually being used for film locations. Anything underwater, usually doubling for the ocean, can be depicted here. A lot of Bond films, as well as Sea Hunt of ancient Lloyd Bridges days, were done at this spot. Good idea, especially as the water is a year-round 72 degrees Fahrenheit, 22 Celsius. A lot of the reptile displays were on boardwalks so that the animals remained undisturbed in their own environments in the water. There were good selections of various alligators and crocodile explanations, plus a few oddies I'd never seen before. It pleases me that after all this traveling and adventure, I can still be excited by something new. Still January, 1990, Everglades, Florida, USA. I spent half a day in the Everglades. Hearing I'd be disappointed with them, I wasn't. It was winter and the dry season so that the river that comprised the national park, the one that's 70 miles wide and a few inches deep, had dried to a trickle. This meant, however, that the wildlife was essentially in one place. Therefore, I saw several exotic, for me, species, including anhingas, a type of cormorant, snowy egrets, ibises, red-bellied woodpecker, roseate spoonbill, as well as loads of alligators. I got most of them on film. There was a good atmosphere here, as usual in the national parks. A positive sense pervaded of people doing things, boating, canoeing, bird watching, walking, as well as an increased awareness of needing to protect the place. The environment really was like nothing I had seen before, almost like a hybrid of the Louisiana swamps, the Hungarian pusta, and even the Seychelles tropical jungle. But the sum of its part was difference again, proving that the Everglades are indeed a unique area worth preserving as it is now. October 1990, back in Florida, Orlando. I headed to Gatorland. That was surprisingly fun. Not only were there thousands of alligators of all different sizes, but also snakes, turtles, monkeys, birds, both caged and un. A lot of local species, for example, herons, ibis, egrets, and hingas again, and flamingos, who enjoyed the plentiful fish supply in the lagoon. There was an alligator show where the reptiles jumped up for pieces of chicken. The biggest leap was reserved for a whole chicken. 
It looked so naked and vulnerable and was gobbled up so quickly, the host had to do the whole performance again so that we could see it. In any case, the vault was faster and higher than I've ever seen from an alligator before. April 1999, Queensland, Australia. On our journey, our tour group visited a crocodile farm. I remember sailing down a river waiting for the reptiles to appear. From the boat, I could see some ridges rise up in the water. Soon, a couple of meters downstream, a tail appeared. It was a sense of delighted horror that we realized it was the same beast. Apparently, the animals recognize the vibrations of the boat and know that food would soon be on offer. The boat trip leader stood over the edge with a raw chicken on the end of a pole. The normally languid croc suddenly jumped, grabbing the carcass and disappearing into the water again. We were completely taken by surprise by the activity. By the time the act had been repeated and we were already used to it, but fascinated nevertheless, it seems it's possible to attract both crocodiles and alligators by means of uncooked poultry. December 2001, Winjana Gorge, Western Australia. My latest glimpse of these exotic creatures was at Winjana Gorge, almost two years later. There we saw a canyon created by a river so powerful that even in its tranquility on a delightful summer's afternoon, its majesty could not be dismissed. Not to be lulled into any sense of security, the crocodiles, normally in salty water, but here unusually in fresh, visibly patrol the central river. Affectionately, the locals call them freshies to differentiate them from the more common salties. Strangely, none of us was tempted to swim. September 2016. Canaveral National Seashore, Florida, again, USA. Years later, temporarily skiving from an obligatory family visitation while in Florida, my partner and I decided to take a look at the Canaveral National Seashore. Better known for its location as the launch pad for many of the United States rockets, the area around the space complex is actually a lovely bit of natural coastal preserve. The landscape is riddled with streams and creeks traveling from the Atlantic Ocean to the east to the swamps towards the west. Casually driving past on an overcast day, we looked into the roadside riverlet and I noticed it seemed to be following us. A ridged shape rose to the surface, a familiar reptilian form shape, then gave up and sank again. But we knew it was still there. What we didn't know was how long that alligator had been following us and what its intent was. Alligators and crocodiles might be familiar sights, particularly to those residents who share the animal's natural habitats. But to us visitors, their presence is still impressive and remain weird and scary at every viewing. <laughs>